So this is the one where I'm allowed to be coarse and vulgar, isn't it? What? Well, for anyone who didn't hear our Breaking Borders one, that's um, probably going to be a little bit more respectable than our Breaking Bollocks one, I would think. Overall, it has some content. Yeah, but I I doubt... I I, I doubt it will be... um, Really, <laughs> that like uh, prestigious, it, high and mighty. That dog's fucking me off. You probably can't hear it on the podcast, too. So. Go shoot it, and then you can start an action movie franchise. <laughs> a very good one, actually. Have you seen any of those? No, I, I wanted to find the first one. I, I saw the third one and the second one on Netflix. But... All right, okay. Oh, I'm sure we can. Uh... It's, it might be on Sky, we'll have to have a look. I, I wouldn't mind, because I think I've only seen the first one. I would like to see them all. Why are you looking at my belly? Is it because I'm fat? No, I was just looking at you fiddling with your buttons. <laughs> oh, that's just general anxiety. Um, so, um, what on earth is happening? I don't know what's... I haven't... Uh, what, what the fuck's going on? Is this... Is this a podcast? Are we have we started? Uh well we normally do an intro. Go on then. <laughs> I'm feeling what? in a weird mood today. Fight you are. Yeah. This is gonna be uh, an interesting one. <laughs> well let's get on with it then. We're starting a bit later than I'd be comfortable with, so I'm gonna be poking you to finish in the next five minutes. <laughs> This is this is your... a little bit later than you come to a win. <laughs> yeah, because I've been good this week. I've been doing. I've I've achieved a lot. I woke up at seven a.m., so I'm hardly like thrilled. Yeah, you about probably the didn't time. go to sleep till much before that. Well, exactly. <laughs> come on then, start the podcast. Anyway, um... no, that's how you end the podcast. Fuck you. Fuck off. Shut up. Be quiet. Just for fight. Not for fight. <laughs> Just. Just, just words. Wait. Get your words in order. Wait. Engage brain. I, I don't have one. <laughs> anyway, um, I told you that's how you finish. I, I will genuinely assault you. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, you spat on me. That is assault. The, well, you're vaccinated, so and vinegar. I, I can and pepper. Shit in your mouth and it'll be fine. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't do that. <laughs> I don't know what. Well, that's, that's a good starting level, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what went through my mind to say that, but I'm in a weird mood. I'll say that. Anyway. Get on with it! And then shut up. Prick. Hello, guilty pleasures. I'm Fireball, and I'm the Orbiter. And well, that's got to be the first episode in many, many months where I haven't interrupted your intro. Good that it took you off guard. And welcome no, to Breaking Bollocks. I just thought I'd mix it up a bit. Episode seventy-eight. Guilt. Guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Just guilty silence. Oh. Um, so, have you got anything you want to confess to? Uh, no. 
I, I deny any allegations made against me. Oh, right, okay. Um, I, Unlike Matt Hancock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen lots of, like, murmurs about that, but... Mm. Exactly. Mainly, Fucking like... murmurs. It's mainly, <laughs> like, um, aimed at Keir Starmer for not asking him to resign... Which, I mean, like, fair enough, Kistam is, like, just a, like, a deflated balloon of a politician. It's a fucking disgrace in in that it is literally a murmur in the news. It's just, like, an afterthought. And yet, the front page of the Scottish Daily Mail uh, yesterday was, Have they no respect? Talking about Harry and Meghan. Oh yeah, it's like, whenever the government fucks up, <laughs> notice that they very quickly wheel out some bullshit story about the royals or some celebrity. Yeah, I mean, like, who, who gives a fuck that... Uh, I mean, oh, 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 it's just... Oh, I have opinions to give Matt's, today. Matt's cock in hand is um, just... He, he should be going to prison. <laughs> Yeah, it is criminal negligence. They have killed 120,000 people. And if you watch the news in the no, UK, not that you that I'm wouldn't about. see that. I'm on about his fucking handing all his contracts to his mates. That, that are... Well, we've known about that since, like, fucking April. They've been doing that fairly in the open. I don't think that's Yeah, but that it's, actually, it's, actually been, it's actually been officially, um, like, it's been through a court case and it's been officially recognised that it was unlawful, what he did. Oh, so it's gone through the system and nothing's actually happened to him. It's almost like it's broken. Hmm, yeah, it could be. Um, but uh, this is something that I saw, um, and it was um, someone in the UK looking at um, Australia's perspective on what's, what's going on in the there? UK. Yeah, go well, on. It's, I think the situation is generally quite good in Australia. They've There's something weird going on with Facebook well. over there, though, and the Prime Minister. I have no idea what goes it's, on with Australian politics. Well, you guys change from, po- Prime Ministers like every five seconds. There's a really so. important thing going on that could have um, major implications in that um, there's, there's a row kind of broken out between Facebook and the media organisations in that the news media are wanting money from Facebook to post news items basically because it's like um a publishing outlet if you know what i mean facebook to post to quote news items from to for people to be able to quote news items from um news organizations on facebook the news organizations are wanting money for it and facebook are saying no um and so they've basically banned all the news media outlets on facebook in australia all right that's kind of weird so um, it's kind of playing out at the moment. Um, you know, the the thing that I saw was it was an Australian TV host saying about um, the terrible situation in the UK and how much we've lost. But like, if you watch the TV news or even like read print media, like you would have no idea that that was going on. No, it's... we've been fucking gaslit. By yeah. our government and our media, and that's that funny. sounds sort of conspiratorial, but no, it's like not. it's just thing ridiculous. is, I mean, I'm at the point now where I just I, I, I've 
I, I don't. I, obviously, I'm not going to keep keep it up because I do kind of get sort of sucked back into it. But I've deleted my um, news apps off my phone. I've stopped watching the news on TV and stuff because it's just like it's not. The times that I tend to put it on, I would stick the telly on when I'm just sort of getting ready for bed, and it's all press preview stuff. And it's like this is just like I I don't trust the media to give me the news. So I would rather go without than be told lies. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, you've got to get it from somewhere. I'll I'll probably, this is only today that I've kind of done that and I've been through and sorted out some notifications on my phone as well just to kind of get my mental health in order. But I need to find a news outlet that just tells the stories as they are and not giving it all the bollocks because I'm just... The the British media is just it's disgusting, you know. For for the that really hit me. The the front page of the Scottish Daily Mail saying, "Have they no respect?" It's like, are you fucking joking me? Like, you know, it's it's the they they've redefined hypocrisy. Basically, it's like, how how can you how can you? Honestly, it's just like it's just like they're sticking two fingers. At this point, my main reason for wanting Scottish independence is I don't want the UK to exist anymore. That that's that's the state that I'm at with like the patriotic I mean, feeling. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got the vote coming up in May for the Scottish elections. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I've been saying that I'd vote SNP just because I want to get independence through, and that's true. But even them, I would rather have the Scottish Greens in. Um, I don't know whether or not it's going to be one of these... Up here, we tend to have these um, sort of points-based things where you get like a first, second and third choice, don't we? Yeah, because we actually have a somewhat proportional system up here, which is why the government isn't an absolute shambles. Yeah. Because which, good electoral systems tend to lead to more representative democracies. Which, but it's kind of weird, though, that you say that, but that proportional system has delivered a huge majority for the SNP up here. That's because most of the people up here at least voted for the SNP, even if they don't necessarily like them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, anyway... It's, which you can't say for the Tories, despite their, what, like, 60, 80 seat majority... Yeah, which so, they're still um, losing votes on, I think. Mm. Uh, <sighs> oh, yeah, that was something. Um, and I, I think this was like an attempt to distract from things, as it usually is. But it, it's still stupid. Um, appointing free speech champions for universities. Despite the fact that they have explicitly um, warned against talking about white privilege in schools or yeah. using any resources from a group that might be anti-capitalist, who was it? There's a um, oh some I can't remember who it was, but there's a there's so a stupid, especially right now because. Who's speaking at universities right now? Well, there's a, prof- I think it was Yale, professor at Yale University that's looking at the things that are being said about about that and the situation that's happening in Britain at the moment. And he said that it's basically straight out of the Nazi playbook. Yeah, no, that all the sort of early warning signs of fascism you see quite a lot. But it's like the thing is, it's it's clothing the enemy in the. Um, 
the terminology that actually applies to you, this whole freedom of speech thing. Yeah, freedom of speech is important, but it's making out that um, the enemies of that principle are the ones that are actually um, the least uh, guilty of of breaking that that kind of principle. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Um, it does seem to be that most of the people that clamour on about this are simply just mad that people are exercising their right to free speech by telling them to shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's not anything that like the government's doing or that like they're being legislated against. It's just people genuinely don't like these people. So like they're exercising their voice in well, I, I I took part in a conversation momentarily, um, comparing the the situation with the left and the right, and and there was a guy who was who, who was defending the kind of modern conservatives, um, part by citing um, actions of the far left, and it's like I pointed out, it's like well, surely that doesn't make sense to to compare modern conservatives and the far left. You'd be better off comparing the far left with the far right, or um, sort of moderate left, uh, you know, moderate socialists with modern conservatives, rather than although modern conservatives are kind of edging f- further right anyway, aren't they? But modern conservatives are far right. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, not as maybe ideologically, they haven't managed to actually enact as far right as um, fascism, like Nazism. I mean, um, yet, but. Kind of. Literally, in the last couple of months, um, we, as a country, or the Tories specifically, um, voted against uh, the genocide amendment, which would stop us from trading with countries that are actively committing genocides. Why? I don't know. I didn't vote for it. It's probably something to do with oil or money or weapons or something. Maybe oh, we sell also, them the weapons. Um, relatively recently, I think we might have gone over this before, um, voted to turn away child refugees. Well, um, uh, no, my brain's gone. Uh, no, it's gone. It's just, there's no, I don't know, it's just like, it's, it's a worrying time, isn't it? It's, And it it just seems this weird thing where because vaccinations have started, they're immediately clamouring for like pubs to open because apparently that's the lifeblood of British society. Who are they though that's clamouring for that? Backbencher Tory MPs mm. and um, random people they choose to interview on the street. Backbenchers are usually the kind of rebels of the party, aren't they? But are they like are they the like sort of further right? Um, part of the conservative party the backbenchers um do the i feel like the front benchers try to make it look as though they're reasonable they've um, got more eyes on them i suppose but it doesn't mean they actually do their job you look up like half the ministers in our cabinet right now and they've probably had at least two scandals in the last year don't understand I don't understand where we're going as a country. 
Like, as it got, has it got worse? I feel, I feel like the, I don't know. I feel like everyone's looking at it, saying it's got worse. But has it? Is it? I mean, for a long time, I've been sort of trying to trying to pretend that it's maybe just because it's covered so much twenty four hours a day now in the media, when we only used to get exposed to it once or twice a day. But the longer these incompetent vultures have control of the government, the worse things are going to get, and that has been a steady decline since 2010, at least, if but not before then. They've got at least, is it three and three and a half years left? Uh, it depends if they call a snap election or something, because that's what like but, half the last prime ministers have done. But why? why would they need to do that? I mean, the, 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 what makes me laugh is that there is that kind of um, because they're making a success of the vaccination part of things that that's what people will remember. But it's like as of yesterday, I think it was hundred hundred twenty thousand. It was only three weeks ago that we topped a hundred thousand. We're up to hundred twenty thousand now. It's um, you know, and it's not like you can. People can try and say, oh, well, yeah, but it's a, it's a situation that we've never been through before and everyone's just doing their best and it's really difficult. Like, and it's like, well, it's, yeah. Some but governments are definitely doing their best. There's only so much time you can spend looking at people making an absolute clusterfuck of every decision that they make and still claim that they're just trying their best. There know? are genuinely people that seem to believe there is someone that could have done a worse job and like that... Oh, if Corbyn was in now, we'd all be dead. But like, no. Based on what though? What are they? What? What is based that? on their weird, twisted fantasies of like villainizing just like someone with principles? It seems. I mean, there's a chance that every school kid that's struggling to get online for classes would have had free internet. Yeah, or the health system might actually been adequately propped up, and nurses might have gotten a pay increase. And private companies that have no fucking idea what they're doing wouldn't have been handed contracts without any proper scrutiny. And we would have been shoehorned into a Brexit deal at the last minute, most likely. Although it depends, they were kind of on the fence with that. Mm. I feel like we're being super critical today. But yeah, not well, enough. Not fuck enough. The Tories. <laughs> they all I don't like politics though. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I don't mind politics. I tell you what, some good news. What? Some good news. Uh, Rush Limbaugh is dead. Who the fuck's that? He's um, a conservative, um, like, American media sort of... Um, I mean, he's often, like, quoted as, like, around his death as being, like, this massively influential figure, but um, in a very bad way. Oh, I've never heard of him. Um, but I'm not to American. give you a sort of context of the sort of person we're dealing with here, um, briefly at the start of the AIDS epidemic, um, he had a regular segment celebrating the deaths of victims of AIDS. Yeah, that sounds quite kind of 80s. He's genuinely a horrible person, and I'm glad he's dead. There was a guy, I, can't, I think it was earlier, uh, at the beginning of last week, that was um, being featured on the news, who uh, was having his um, war, his military decorations reinstated and an apology given because in 1998, 
having saved countless lives and um, been given military awards for bravery, he was dismissed from the army because they found out he was gay. Took all his medals off him. Yep. <laughs> A war hero. It's like, this is 1998, you know? that's I know that's before you were born, but it's like, you know, I was like in my late 20s. That's not good enough world. Get a fucking grip. Yeah, uh, legally in the UK, um, if you've had, um, if you're um, bisexual or homosexual and have had sex with the same sex in the last six months, you still can't donate blood, even though they can test for things like that, and they should do. I can't donate with all blood. <laughs> yeah, they should anyway. Yeah, but I can't donate blood anyway because of my lymphoma. Yeah, but it's a pain in the ass. Well, it's not a pain in the ass because I don't you don't you don't give blood through your ass unless you have more than lymphoma to worry about. Mm, it's, it's the juiciest part of the body. I was practicing for our podcast this morning. Really? Yeah, you actually put thought into this. No, I was um, I was going through guilt. Um, well, I kind of go through guilt every day. Oh, this is going to be one of the depressing episodes. Well, it's one of those things I wrestle with. You see, one of the thing, one of the decisions I've made, which I've very much enjoyed the fruits of over the last few weeks, is that no matter what else happens, I'm kind of trying to discipline my life in a better way mentally. And I've got my, I've got a new treadmill that I'm going to be starting to to work out on tomorrow because I'm a fat bastard at the moment. Um, lockdown belly has. Eat a baby. <laughs> oh, we've got a tub of ice cream downstairs. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to help. Yeah, but it's not tomorrow yet. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's flawless logic. <laughs> in, the, in the vein of um, trying to be mentally healthy, I have decided that it's a good idea to just have one complete day off from work a week. So I'd kind of decided to make Sundays however difficult it is for me to do. And I have found it quite difficult because of feeling guilty to actually... Um, I've, I've found I've had to actually discipline myself to not do any work, like in terms of um, uni work or music work or even practising. I'm, I'm just like taking a whole complete day off. And I haven't actually managed it today. I did do some work. Um on uni stuff today so i failed today um but the thing is it's that ag agonizing of like wh what do what do you what what should i be doing what should i be getting on with what what am i not doing that i should be doing and <laughs> what am i doing that i shouldn't be doing and uh, <laughs> you're obviously dying to tell us something aren't you no i should not <laughs> you shouldn't but you're obviously dying to well I i'll the other thing that I feel slightly guilty about this week is um, I've been struggling to get lectures watched on time. Um, I've still got, I think, two from this week um, that I'm going to have to just move to the next week and I'll have just as many lectures um, to watch next week, so... I mean, any of the time that you're staying up late at night, are you are you actually doing lectures or anything, or do, is it just during the day that you do uni work? Uh, once or twice, but I t tend to try not to because um, otherwise I really won't be able to concentrate on it. Mm. Yeah, 
it's, generally if it's during the week I'm not staying up that late um, it depends but mm. it's a weird one um, it, it, and it's doubly weird because I mean doing all of this from home obviously it's completely different to how it would be if we were allowed in on campus and that but so I mean I mean I've never been a university student anyway although I have done further education so I have some idea of but it's a bit like that thing of if you if you uh, if you run your own business and work from home it's a really difficult um, line to tread between your sort of work-life balance people who work from home tend to work longer hours than people who go out to do a job uh, because it's like you're never away from work and you feel you do you do have a certain amount of when you sit down to it's weird because you you take the guilt with you everywhere you go when i sit down to work or to practice or to do stuff uh which i tend to do in my room obviously you're not really supposed to have your sort of sleeping spaces mixed with work but you don't really have a choice um you feel guilty because you're not doing the washing up or cleaning the bathroom or or hoovering or or doing all the other stuff that needs. I know you don't, but <laughs> but I do. I do it's just I don't then have the well. I I, I do wash up and dry up. Yeah, I know, but you don't. It's kind of um, I don't. I bet you don't feel guilty um, for not like sort of. Um, I don't. You feel, I bet you don't feel as guilt as guilty as I do for not doing stuff. Oh, is that a competition? No, <laughs> no. You. All right. What do you feel guilty about then? Because like when oh. I'm doing the housework and stuff, I feel guilty because I'm not working or practicing. A musician always feels guilty when they're not practicing. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. Uh... Especially when you play three instruments. I mean, yeah, you're like not doing uni work when it, it was. It's 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 when it's like it's an unreasonable expectation of myself, and then I'm just like, well, how are other people managing then? Do you know, like, I think with everything else, same with everything else. Though, I think it's about balance because you're gonna feel guilt. Whatever you're doing, you're gonna feel guilt that you're not doing something else that you should be doing. But at the same time, you can't be always doing everything. So it's it's kind of finding a balance that you can be happy with um being realistic with your you know your goals and stuff i mean um i suspect there's a lot of people feeling guilty at the moment about um not necessarily being in touch with people uh, remotely as much as oh, yeah. they could be because there are quite a few family members that i haven't talked to in like months but what can you do i mean it's like there's only so many times you can say you know we miss you and we'll see you when all this is over it's like everybody's just got their head down and they're just getting on with it now it's kind of yeah you know, i mean I, I do speak to nan occasionally i've, I've been uh i was playing xbox with um Anna earlier on online we were playing aragami that uh that game i was playing yesterday um she was much better at it than me even though she'd never played it before Yes, I, I would expect <laughs> that to be honest. But um, you that's know, not a particular of... compliment to her. <laughs> but you know that you know that there's all there's loads of people that are just kind of. 
I wouldn't say stuck at home because, I mean, for people that live on their own, then obviously it is kind of stuck at home. But if you're stuck with people that you, <laughs> I mean, I sound like I'm talking about us, but, you know, I mean, really, in a way, we're quite lucky. We tend to give each other space, don't we? We're lucky enough to live in a house where we can do that, where, you know, we've we've, we've each got a room that we can retreat to if we need some time on our own um we've got a communal space and that we've also kind of got a bit of respect for each other and and you know we don't our own ways (laughs) we don't expect to be in each other's pockets all the time you know i mean i can we can spend a pretty much a whole day apart in the same house and not be insulted by it i have felt uh guilty about a bit like not getting out of my room to talk to either of you sometimes. But um you know, there's 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 two sides to that because you know, we between the three of us, we've got different dynamics going on where you and I spend time together doing this and the channel. Me and Mum, when you're in your room Obviously, we know you've got a lot of work to do, and we can hear when you're practicing. And you know, in the morning, you're probably asleep, but um, <laughs> unless you've got lectures, or I but you know, drunk we, heavily, and I'm awoken by the sense of nausea. I think we're all happy enough and content enough and secure enough in in our own company to be able to make use of what time we've got wherever we are, whoever we're with. And that you know, I've got programs I'll sit and watch with Mum. We do this kind of thing together, and then when we've finished, we'll watch our programs probably. And but any of us can be on our own, either in our rooms or downstairs in the main living room, and find something to to keep ourselves entertained and not need. Yeah, I think we're quite lucky else. in that. I think we're all at least moderately introverted. I mean, I think everyone yeah. has suffered to some extent of like lack of social interaction, but that's. Not That's to one of the things do I'm, with being introverted necessarily. But one of the things I'm finding most myself most anxious about is how to go out into society again. How to when things do start returning to normal, how to deal with yeah. having to go out and be with people again? Because generally, um, from my perspective, of I don't being like people horribly. Well, yeah. <laughs> horribly awkward and i don't know how awkward you are um like internally because internally very yeah um but i compensate i I find it easier to meet people online but i feel like i am missing that sort of more personal interaction with people that i have gotten to know over like the past uh half a year well that's the weird thing i mean you know we do um for those who uh who don't know, and some of them might be listening. Actually, we we both do one of the clubs together, don't we? We do bridge club at uni, mm. and there's people who I would consider to be friends now on there that I've never met, and it's like you don't know what. Uh, I mean, you kind of you kind of hope that you're going to get along with them in real person as well. Real, sorry, I'm making squeaky noises on my chair. Real person in in person as well, but you might meet them and think, fucking hell, they're a knob. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> this directed at anyone in particular no 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 tom don't 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 worry it's not you i'm talking about i'm not talking about anyone in particular but you know what i mean you don't know it's just kind of uh, 
I, d- I didn't mean to pick anyone's name out there, but I felt that he would probably be the least insulted by it. So, um, okay, right. Um, Moving swiftly on before you um, incriminate yourself. No, they're, they're a good laugh. You know, they're good people. But I mean, it's the same with people that I'm sort of getting to know in my classes as well. It's like, I mean, it's a bit different for me because I'm like, I'm nearly 50. I'm going to be 50 this year. Um, it's like, I don't have to worry about upsetting younger people because they they could just see me as a grumpy old bastard and it won't really affect me. <laughs> but it's like, if they were more my age, if I was like in my early 20s or whatever, I might be more concerned about what other people thought of me. I don't know. Yeah, I've not really made that many friends like within my degree program there's, um, there's a bit of safety in the age barrier yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of have that like uh, to a lesser extent the other way around as well with some people um, because uh, I'm still under 18 so mm. that scares a few people when they meet me well <laughs> in some ways that could have worked this situation could have worked slightly in your favour because you might have been in a situation where all your mates were going out to the pub and you technically couldn't really join them without kind of... Be smuggled in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but by the time... I mean, I think it's going to be September, you know, by the time we're sort of fully on campus at the earliest. Um, hmm. Might be lucky to get partially on, but... Oh, did you know there's a Hollywood film being filmed in your in the building you go into your classes for at the moment? The Zoology Building. Really? Yeah, it's it's all been on the news. It's um, Taron Egerton's film in um, a film, a movie called Tetris. Ah, uh, I did see that that um, Taron Egerton was in Aberdeen, but I didn't yeah. know it was. It's all this that week, building they're, specifically. They're filming. Um, well, they've been they've been filming all over the weekend outside the zoology building because um, it's the reason being that they thought it it was it's a, a good fit for, building. Though. I know it's a good fit for um, Cold War era Russia. <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's really bleak 80s it kind is of, the, I, I mean I like the inside because it's got like a cool the, museum you know the and the, labs but it is genuinely probably the ugliest building on campus do you actually know where Nienna lives uh, vaguely yeah do you know you know where the college is North East Scotland College yeah just opposite side of the road there, the big high-rise flats, they're filming there for the next... Until, like, Thursday, the the, the road's completely closed off because they're filming. So there's all these, like, sort of 80s kind of um, old cars been offloaded off of a car transport, or, like, larders and stuff, and it's just It's bizarre. nice to know that Aberdeen <laughs> is so depressing, it looks like... Um, Cold, Cold War Russia. Russia. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's fun. Um, There's a certain bleak beauty to it, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) It is a bit austere when you're not used to it. Mm. I did think when I first moved up here, I thought it was really, really grey. And I think it doesn't help with there being so much less daylight in the winter. Um, Genuinely the most colourful thing in Aberdeen are the gay steps, which is why they've become a monument. (laughs) Is that outside the Nicholas Centre? Yeah, I think it's the Monocord Centre now. Oh yeah, yeah, they've changed their name to shake things up a bit. I mean, this is really global content, this, isn't it? I mean, really well, fun. we we have our breaking borders for that. We do, we do. Let's get local. <sighs> I sent Craig a picture of our Chinese takeaway the other day. Oh, he said it looked very Scottish. 
He's sending love letters. No, that's called Rainbow as well. Yeah. Rainbow Chinese. Um, for fuck's sake, let's find something interesting to talk about. The subject of the podcast. Guilt. So, I mean, there's... What is guilt? Because hmm. if if you're in a court case, like when, they, when the jury returns a verdict of guilty, basically what they're saying is, we believe this person did this thing wrong. So basically, guilt is about someone believing that someone has done something wrong. Right, but there's also a, a sort of precedent there of how responsible could they really be held for what they did wrong. Yeah, but that gets philosophical because it's like, how responsible can anyone be? Let's get philosophical. Well... The thing is, I mean, I know, looking back, of things that um, I've done in my life that I suppose traditionally you might say you feel guilty for, but at no point in my life have I not been doing my best (laughs) at being me. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. What is... you've, you've, You've got to have a code of ethics to contravene before you can have... um. A concept of guilt, haven't you? There's got to be a set of... Is guilt purely to do with the law, or is it a moral and ethical thing? Because if you're talking about morality and ethics, it's kind of... That's a personal... The problem with coming at it from a legal point is... um, I think they sort of call it bright lines, um, where they have to be very absolute, Mm. with their judgments whereas morality quite often um in like a practical sense has quite a few gray areas as um i'm sure you'll be aware from your own life and plenty of examples but there's an interesting juxtaposition there because while you say that there's a gray area there are gray areas in morality and ethics and there might be clearly defined lines under law the clearly defined lines under law change so what at one time um literally you can do something on one day and be guilty and the next day do the same thing and you're not guilty but it doesn't change that you were guilty on the previous day do you know what i mean even if even if the law has changed you were still guilty of breaking the law at that time or the other way around where new laws come into being and we examine the actions of people in the past and by our current standards then their actions would be considered immoral reasonably Mm. perhaps they should still be considered immoral if not illegal yeah i suppose the thing with the law is you can't um i don't believe fairly You, you can morally and ethically judge someone um, if you choose to, but legally, it's clearly defined, isn't it? If something, be- if you if you break the law today, but that law wasn't in place a week ago, and you'd done the same thing then, then you weren't breaking the law. Which particularly gets interesting right now when laws are changing quite rapidly, and you could reasonably place some responsibility, even if that isn't in law, um, on certain actors. Um, during this pandemic well i mean i know it's um yeah it's a dangerous time isn't it i mean it's it's a time when you could 
smuggle all sorts of stuff under the radar radar when uh, and I'm not saying this is wrong but you know when you find it it could be illegal to actually go outside or to meet someone mm. uh, and it literally is you know um I mean I would be surprised if the vast majority of the country haven't broken the law in some way um with regards to lockdown and social distancing rules um whether it's a case of them just thinking that it's a waste of time and just completely flouting them or just kind of bending the rules a bit. Mm. Um, it's kind of... I think there definitely is probably a smaller subset of people that are just very flippant of the advice that they've been given and of the warnings that they've been given but I think it's probably more a case of um, either not fully understanding or not fully appreciating um, the sort of seriousness of that Mm -hmm. but there's always going to be situations where people who fully appreciate the dangers and understand that but just weigh their personal benefits of whatever way they're going to bend the rules as higher for whatever reason. I'd like to get very philosophical and take guilt right back to original sin. Oh no, we're going to talk about religion. <laughs> no, no, well, y- no, yes and no. Um, I think we. I'd like to talk about the concept that religion um has or i don't know basically oh that i i wasn't the sure or, what the fuck you were talking about because my, i'm not do you know what our original sin is was is it like the idea that you're sort of born into um like you're born sort of imperfect and impure and oh, possibly is religion. i mean i might have got it wrong what i was actually referring to though was the um garden of eden and the banishment from paradise. I find it really sort of a, a sort of self-defeating argument from well, um, a biblical thing of saying that eating, uh, really, I suppose it's metaphorical. Yeah, but learning about good and evil is seen as some damn damning thing. Well, the the thing I take from it as a non-religious person is. Um, that paradise is a state of mind. It's it's existing existing in bliss, basically, in a, in absolute bliss where there's nothing, nothing wrong at all. You know, it's um, it's a perfect state of existence. But the concept of knowing that there is such a thing as right and wrong or good and evil kind of destroys that. I'd rather be free in agony than imprisoned in my own ignorance right um, and that that's what i feel like i would say if i had a choice which i really don't but that's interesting you say that because when you say you really don't cuz cuz that that's the whole excuse that that religious people give for um the imperfection of the world is that it is the freedom of choice that makes it imperfect. Like, um, it's difficult to describe. Um, 
What what do you think you don't have the freedom of choice over? When you were saying then, what do you mean? You just said that you don't you don't feel that you don't feel like you have the choice. Well, I couldn't choose to um, live my life happily just because I don't know the stuff that would make me unhappy. Right. Okay. Because the so knowledge I mean, of that's not really within my control. It's everywhere. What about... Um, I would have to willfully ignore it. Yeah. Just something I feel unable to do. That's interesting. What 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 is it about... Uh, oh, well, it depends what you mean by ignore, doesn't it? I mean, ignorance to me is... is I said an interesting word, that, actually, because that the word ignore... Implies that you're aware of something, but choose not to pay any attention to it. Whereas it is feasible to put yourself in a position where something which is damaging you is something that you're not in a position to be aware of anymore. For instance, if I bring up the option of never watching the news because it makes you mentally ill to watch it or to to take it in. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Um, because there, you know, there is that argument that there is a social responsibility to 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 keep yourself aware of what's going on. Because you, you know, you you might need to help other people who are suffering because of what's going on in the world. And mm. there are other ways to obtain information that you you don't have to watch just the big no. Um, but for instance, a hermit, somebody who decides to shut themselves off from society because it makes them unwell. They, you know, they can't cope with modern day humanity. Um, do you think? Do you think that they're doing something wrong? Um, not necessarily. I mean. Uh, it's a. Uh, they're not going to help that many other people in that way, but mm. um, yeah, I understand it. <laughs> Do you think people like us who um, accept that climate change is an issue should feel guilty for not taking part in civil disobedience? Mm. See, then we get into um, and not becoming vegan. We get into sort of a morning of lost potential, I suppose. If that makes sense. I mean, I have a Real double think situation going on with climate change and eating meat. And I think probably a lot of people do. Um, I'll bet there's a lot of people that would prefer to shell out for an electric car than to give up eating meat, even though that would probably... Uh, have a a better effect on the environment. 
part of me. Mm. I'm not trying to lecture anyone because I, I, you know, I, yeah, I've it, done it. it. I've, I spent a few months. It's the, I mean, it's the best thing an individual I think can do against climate change. Um, aside from making like um, groundbreaking discoveries, um, you know, the, the average everyday person's not going to be able to do that uh, realistically. So, in in terms of what just a regular person despairing at the state of basically us hurtling rapidly into um, an ongoing mass extinction event. <laughs> nice. Sorry. <laughs> it was just the way that you said that. It was like, I can't argue with it. No, I, I, <laughs> It's kind of true. This is something that I've sort of found out um, in my degree is that, I mean, it's been going on for quite a while now um these mass extinction events they're not these big like bang all the dinosaurs are gone kind of thing like most of them probably died of climate change after the meteor impact yeah yeah or like sea level rises that sort of thing yeah i mean i suppose any of us that that grew up in the 80s would would kind of know that the vast majority of the human race that survived the initial um, nuclear holocaust would die out in the nuclear winter afterwards. Yeah, and that, I mean that would happen with all life. And yeah. um, you know, we have this sort of. I think you possibly aware that cockroaches might be able to survive that. Yeah. After that, you would probably get like a radiation of cockroaches. <laughs> Um, not like radiation as in nuclear radiation, but as in radiation of like cockroaches are the new form of life. Yeah. <laughs> Deal yeah. with it. All life has to come from this now. Yeah. Very Kafkaesque. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, more ways than one. <laughs> but yeah, it's sort of, if you're looking at that, then the best way, and I think it cuts your missions personally uh, down about a third is going vegan um, and that's mainly to do with like energy use mm. principally um, because you lose energy on every level of the food chain yeah I mean I suppose it really depends to a certain extent on how much money you've got as well because um, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would rather pay extra for a flight to offset their carbon footprint than go without that flight if they're going on a holiday somewhere uh, or go without that holiday. Um, but there are people who can only afford the budget flight kind of option who are going to go without a holiday if they don't take that option. And there's probably a lot more of those. It's like the developing world and the third world are the ones that can't afford to um, make the change and they're the ones that are going to suffer the most. Mm, yeah, I have seen that quite a lot, especially with um, like the way that we do fishing in a lot of countries. Like up here, we've overfished a lot of populations around the UK. Mm. to the point where they just stopped coming back sometimes. Mm. And there's nothing we can really do other than wait for that to fix itself. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, which it might not do. Um, but at the same time, you have um, whole masses of populations on coastlines that are reliant on fishing. Hmm. And so you have this sort of balance of, well, leave that to the people that need it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think at this point, a, a lot of our fish is even farmed because they just don't occur wildly anymore, at least not in very high numbers. Yeah. It's weird. Guilt's a weird thing. I mean, it's... I think it's it's something which is a state of mind that can become quite skewed. I think it's very closely linked to mental health. Mm. Um, but with regards to your sort of initial uh, question, I guess, I don't think you should feel necessarily guilty for not going vegan. Um, partially because I'd be a hypocrite to say that, but um, I, I think generally a good principle to go by is... Um, Take what you need and give what you can. I suppose that sort of highlights two distinct kind of aspects of guilt then, is that because I was thinking, okay, you you can't um, condemn anyone for that because, like you say, you'd be hypocritical. But there are plenty of people who, from their standpoint, could point the finger and say, well, you're not doing everything you can because I am. And it's like you're then judging other people by your own standards. But then there's the other kind of guilt where you put um, pressure on yourself to be something that you're not. Um, but I mean, you could say that about really any injustice that you aren't actively fighting against. Yeah, like and um, part of it is you've kind of got for example. I imagine uh, you have at some point um, felt at least some despair over the refugee crisis um, at least like five years ago thereabouts. Yeah. Um, but how much realistically, I mean, you might have given money, but I don't know. I, I haven't really. Um, I did think about like joining. I think it's um, the Yadam. I can't remember the there seem to be outbursts or outpourings of public kind of remorse that are expressed and then go away like live aid mm. um and then there was the make poverty history movement and to a certain extent there was the um extinction rebellion protests there was a lot of people that joined in on that because on a large scale, um, endless despair isn't very sustainable. Yeah. Um, which is why like activist movements like this sort of have to thrive on the little um, progress they can make. But what you need is systemic change, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's sort of... Um, but it, it's something that we... we get quite a lot around like uh pride of like whether it should be more of a celebration or a 
So I um, protest. Do, uh, do you know what I realised, or kind of, I suppose I kind of deep down probably knew, but something that I, I recognised consciously and thought, yeah, that's cool. That is that the plus part of LGBTQ plus is that that's everyone. It's like no one has to miss out on the fun. You know, the plus part is all 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 that aren't covered by the LGBTQIA bit yeah everyone else so it's sort of to encompass um anyone who so falls under that just quite loose umbrella if you're feeling threatened by the lgbtq movement like sort of establishing themselves as a thing they've kind of included you as well because you're a plus (laughs) i don't think necessarily in the way that you're meaning you don't think heterosexual is allowed in the pride movement uh not really it's part of like lgbt issues <laughs> no what about i've seen transsexuals oh yeah I, I suppose yeah but it's sort of to the point where like there are intersections there of like different groups that mm might be included under that that would be more people that you think but um in the way i thought you meant um i don't think so although some people have suggested like including allies in that but at that point it just feels like anyone who's vaguely supportive is part of that yeah yeah it's a weird word allies isn't it because it kind of i mean maybe quite rightly but it kind of implies war Whereas I feel like it's, I I don't feel like um, threatened, like as in from by an enemy. It feels like allies are kind of, yeah, I I know there is a fight to kind of, a metaphorical fight if you like, but it's a bit, for me, and it's more in the same vein as the the fight that the, um, the hippies had against war is that it's not, it's not a, it's not fought with malice. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, it's fought with love. Yeah, um, it's fought for love, but I mean, I think different people have different fights for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, within that, like, the best weapon there is our voice, um, because otherwise we're quite um, outnumbered, um, outarmed, I suppose. Mm. But. It's like, it's difficult. Again, it's systemic change that's needed because all the people that are in power, they might be the minority in numbers, but they're the ones that call the shots and they're the ones that pull the strings and they're the ones that have the money. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm getting less and less interested in um, the way the world is and just getting on with my own life but it's kind of you there's only so far that you can allow that to be the case before they will all come for you you know what i mean it's like you can you can retreat into your own life and just try to make the best of things and be happy with the way the world is for you for a certain amount of time but if everybody does that sooner or later the fist is going to clench on everyone because nobody's fighting back nobody's there'll always be people fighting back um I mean, what I'd say for 
the sort of issues that you can maybe afford not to pay attention to, um, at least initially. Try and think about them, try and sort of learn about them and do what you can. Mm. Um, but we've all got our own problems as well. So it, it, it's kind of a complicated thing of like, um, no one should really be put down upon unless they have quite a lot of power to do things, which most people don't. Mm. I mean, I don't, um, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to give up on any of this, but it's like, um, the younger, the younger you are, I think the more energy and, and fight that you have. For, I don't know. I don't, I'm going to come across as sounding really old, but I mean, I'm getting, I'm, I'm nearly 50. I can get the older you get, or the older I get, the more I'm likely to just want to make the most of life because it's like it's time slipping away. You know, you kind of you've only got so so many years, and do you really want to spend your whole life just fighting the system? I mean, I think that would be a life well spent for my part, but it might not be a happy one. Uh, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's this ignorance is bliss kind of argument. It's like kind of... That, that doesn't mean that it's something you would want, though, does it? <laughs> it, it might be easier to just t- turn a blind eye to everything and live your own life, but... It's a gift and a curse. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I think I kind of see that in the same way as like, as a, from a, an artist's point of view, from a musician's point of view, there are rewards for it. You know, I feel like a, a lot of the more painful experiences I've been through emotionally in my life have made my ability to emote um, much better, much deeper. And it's almost like suffering breeds art do you know what I mean mm. like to some extent but that doesn't kind of justify it it makes you wonder though if we lived in a perfect world whatever that might be wonder what art would look like what music and drama and I'd, all that. I'd... because a lot of it is about okay, uh, politics and suffering isn't it hot take here hot take what's that mean um, spiciness. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think a perfect w- world um can or should exist. Um, I don't think it's something good to strive for, and I think the attempts to make the world perfect have normally resulted in trying to basically beat it into being perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, which. <laughs> Surprisingly, that makes things worse. I tell you what, I, I, I have, I have numerous um, uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, but agreeable. Oh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Poignant moments when I'm watching. I was watching an episode of Mandalorian with my wife today. Um, and there was a speech. It was it basically, do you know, when the Mandalorian set in the Star Wars timeline. Uh, vaguely. It's after Return of the Jedi, but before. Oh, right. I thought it was before everything. No, no. It's before um, 
the rise of the new order. Um, um, so there is all of that kind of the you know the bit I'm on at the moment. Spoilers. Um, the empire are just kind of regrouping and and re kind of exerting their influence, if you like. And there was this kind of this whole thing about the normal people that suffer in in these political struggles, the people that end up being killed, the kind of you know the collateral damage, if you like. The, the people that are just trying to go about their lives. And, oh, and speaking of that, we haven't talked about America today. Um, Texas, uh, at least especially, was having power cuts and... Yeah, they've had a um, disaster. People were freezing to death and their government abandoned them. Yeah, they've... they've um, well, no, they, they, they declared a, a national disaster. And then went on <laughs> holiday to Mexico. Who did? Who went on holiday to Mexico? Ted Cruz. Who's Ted Cruz again? I've heard the He's, name. He's um, one of the senators for Texas, I think. Oh, right. Okay. Do, do they count as government, state, kind of? Yeah, in America, they are <laughs> very much, like, okay. uh, they have a lot more power than, like, Aberdeenshire Council would have. Right, okay. Um, yeah, I, I never kind of know how to think of the states, because they're not counties, are they? They're... Think of it like, more like how Scotland's different to England. Right, yeah. Okay. So it would be like Nicola Sturgeon fucking off when Scotland's kind of... Yeah, like yeah, imagine okay. thousands of people freezing to death yeah. because of power cuts and she just fucked off to Norway. Well, I mean, it would be more fucked off to Africa or something, wouldn't it? Somewhere hot. Well, um, it's Norway's just gonna be equivalent frozen. distance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but funny enough, I was thinking about Texas earlier on because I mean there is, I I am in no way um in the same kind of vein as people who want the oil industry to continue. But um, oh, seeing yeah, some of the people thing. in Texas being interviewed, it's like there is a they kept a real blaming that because- on renewable energies, despite the fact that they only make up about eight percent of the power grid. Blaming what the power cuts on renewable? Oh energies. right, okay. Despite the fact that far more reliable on fossil fuels, yeah, reliant on fossil fuels, um, which are actually fueling the polar vortexes that are killing them, yeah, it's weird though. I mean, like, because I mean, there is a there is a a tension between the everyday needs of a of a a worker who's in a job in the oil industry. I mean, we've had it around here over the last few years. The oil industry's pretty much died on its feet around Aberdeen area. Um, and it does affect everything in the area. Um, no, that's not lie s- on them in the first place then. Yeah. But, but that's like, um, but what do you do when you're in that situation? You, you can't turn the clock back. Um, Invest in retraining programs, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's what they're doing. You know, a lot of the engineers are kind of now employed in the renewables industry and doing like you know the wind turbines and stuff like that, and and subsea stuff that's to do with the offshore um, wind turbines and stuff like that, and and also decommissioning, decommissioning oil rigs and stuff like that, and that will yeah, come to an end. About like point, half but... of what the oil industry is nowadays yeah. around here. Yeah. But um, I know f- I know for a fact that 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 downturn has had a massive effect on, for instance, the wedding industry. You know, where ten years ago, 
I'd have been gigging at least once every weekend, sometimes twice and sometimes even three times. Whereas now, you're lucky to get that a month. Well, you, you don't get anything at the moment with COVID. But, you know, this time last year, it, it was like one or two a month if we were lucky. Um, so, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to perpetuate the oil industry in order to avoid that because, you know, some people just whinge too much. It's like get the fuck on with it. It's like this yeah. is this is what's happening. It's an interesting it's area. Be difficult to... for some people, but just get on with it. It's an interesting area to live in because our main sort of economic boosts around here are oil, beef, or whiskey. Hmm. None of which have like a particularly great effect. I mean, whiskey arguably less so, but it depends. <laughs> I've seen a bottle of whiskey with a £10,000 price tag on it. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, that annoys me. <laughs> but the, but the point I wanted to make about... You say it annoys um, you. What annoys you about it? The point I wanted to make about Texas is um, people seemingly blaming that on the people of Texas... Uh, for voting for a Republican government, despite the fact that quite a lot of them didn't. Um, but I, that's just America being very hyper-partisan stuff. Anyway, what did you say? What What is it that annoys you about a £10,000 bottle of whiskey? It's just disgusting opulence. But, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's the, the price tag isn't um, is an extortion for what has been involved in producing it. Um that 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 whiskey in that bottle it's a has waste of money though. <laughs> but it's sat it's sat in a barrel for seventy years. So that barrel has had to be maintained for like a lifetime, basically, and not moved you know, cared for for seventy years. And then even then, you know, more more than half of it has evaporated by the time it's kind of Got like to the you, bottling process. You, okay, so you've spent all that time caring for this liquid that's literally going to last you what? Uh, I mean, it depends how slowly you want to drink it, but <laughs> I would imagine very slowly. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I mean, it, I mean, I'll, I'll say. I've I've had some. It's not good value for money, I don't think. No, I'm trying to think what the oldest bottle of whiskey I've had. I mean, I've had a few twelve-year-olds whiskeys. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think I've had an eighteen. This wasn't the guilt that I was talking about. <laughs> no, I'm not that bad. Um, uh, eighteen is probably the oldest whiskey I've had. Um, and that that. For us, it would be relatively expensive. I mean, just pop down to Tesco, get the value stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think it's it's a bit like anything with where money's involved. Is there's a law of diminishing returns. It is uh, a twelve year old whiskey is much much nicer than a three year old blended. A twelve year old single malt just tastes. Why are you blending three year olds? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, such as like with like Bell's, you know, Bell's whiskey or Teachers kind of, just the cheap stuff, the value teachers stuff. Teachers kind of. 
Te- no, teachers is a brand of whiskey. Um, <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> but the cheap stuff, it, it's cheap for a reason. Um, hey, but whiskey's fucking nasty. It is. It is though that 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 the more time you spend on it, the the more there's diminishing returns. It's like it's like you know spending a couple of hundred quid on a stereo system. Like you just. Or know. a couple of thousand. It's like there is there is an buy like a grand piano or something. At least you'd get more use out of it. Well, where the fuck are you going to keep it? Well, if you have ten thousand pounds to spend on a fucking bottle of whiskey, I'm sure you, you wouldn't have get space a, grand... For a grand piano. Hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't get a very good grand piano for for that money. Well, if you uh... have that disposable income. You probably have enough to get. Grand piano. What if you don't play the piano? Learn. I'm not going to spend. Why are we having a conversation? I'm not going to spend ten grand on a bottle of whiskey. No, but (laughs) I find it stupid that people put this much value on what is essentially poison. Well, I think because there's been a lot of interest. I think they do a, a lot of their own stuff now, but but there was that was a massive pull in the tourist industry for the Japanese were really into whiskey and they come here on holiday. There's a see when I used to deliver luggage to hotels and stuff um, around the northeast, I used to quite often go into there was a hotel in I think it's Keith, it's near the Shivas Regal Distillery. Um, and you go in there, and there's a cabinet in the reception area with antique bottles of whiskey, just like, and they would they they become a commodity. They become like a status symbol. I but I feel like that's kind of offset by having to go to Keith. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Really? Like, sure, you're drinking very nice whiskey, but you're in Keith, mate. Like, you're not having the time of your life. <laughs> Just for anyone who doesn't know the local area, there's a town near us called Keith. <laughs> I don't actually know if I've ever been. I just know there's a lot of jokes about it. You've been through it because you've been up to Inverness Airport. I, I don't remember that. I must have blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> um, pretty sure. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't know. Could Not recently, certainly. No, no. Um, I've just got the deck chair song. Deck chair song? What is it called? The uh, chicken song. The. Is that what it's called? The spitting image song. What the fuck are you talking Hold about? Hold a chicken in the air, stick a deck chair up your nose. Oh, what's it called? Why is this relevant? Because um, the last line of the first verse is pretend your name is Keith. Oh. And uh, there we go. <sighs> That's very guilty. Yeah, we're supposed to be talking about guilt, aren't we? Well, what's the what's the one thing you've done in life that you feel most guilty about? Uh, that I'm willing to share on here. Um, stole, I think, around maybe up to two hundred pounds from you guys to spend on microtransactions. Oh, because yeah, I remember that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And I'm going to use this to make a point. Uh, those games have predatory gambling practices that draw in children and should be banned. Yeah, but the thing is, how long was it before you came and told us about it? Or did you get found out? I think 
mum would have suspected for quite a while, but I did try and pretend that the thing got hacked. I, d- I don't remember for how long. Yeah, that was when she threatened, she she said about calling the police to to um, say that there'd been a, a cyber crime committed, wasn't it? You saying about being hacked. And that was when you <laughs> were like, uh, well, actually, um, <laughs> and owned up to it. I mean, you know, I've done worse, so... But it was a learning experience. Yeah. So. I was about like 10, so. Yeah. And now you're richer than any of us. <laughs> I am. Um, when I do see like GoFundMes um, while I'm scrolling on Twitter. Uh, trying to give when I can, um, including I think I spent about like three hundred pounds on charities yesterday. Did you? Yeah, I I just went and just went fuck it, have my money, I don't need it. <laughs> it's never a good idea to do that to go online with your card when you've been drinking. Oh, was it when I was drinking? Well, one was, but that was because it was they were doing a fundraiser in the event that we were having drinking games in. Oh, right. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, but most of it was during the morning, so mm-hmm. it was just random people who clearly needed help and weren't going to get it from anyone else. So, yeah, I mean, I take it you kind of thoroughly checking out the sources of this funding. Um, not funding. I mean, the where you know where the money's ending up. Not especially. Um, I I think there are systems on like GoFundMe, and um, I think the other one is like I've forgotten what it's called, like Crowdfunder or something, Kickstarter. I don't know, but um, yeah, there's various. They do have protocols for it. They like have been found to like commit fraud to get that yeah. but I, I'm not that cynical with it I find it really fucking disturbing when I I, I found this quite a lot going into cities with um, older people where just the amount of contempt they seem to have for homeless people I, I just I don't understand it I don't have it just seems contempt this, for them but absolute I'm... distrust of what they would do with that money it's like they're gonna use it better than me i don't i don't have contempt for them but i do probably have a a learned ability to kind of turn a blind eye more than you just simply because of having experienced so much of it i find it genuinely disturbing going to london and watching all the people crying out for help and everyone just walking by them and because I'm often with people when I go to London, I kind of feel pressured to do the same. The, di- the difficulty is that, um, and the reason that a lot of people just walk by is because there is so much of it that, and those, you know, like when you live and work in, in London, you, you, you just can't give every time you see a beggar because it's, you, you would just be giving all the time. Um, I mean, fair enough if you don't have enough to give, but there are definitely quite a lot of people that oh, yeah. have to give. Yeah. And I, it's just the sort of conversations you have with people after that, and you learn a lot about them, yeah. how they treat the the people that they don't value. 
The other thing is as well that, you know, for me, this kind of, oh, they'll only spend it on alcohol or drugs or cigarettes or whatever. It's like... I spend my money on, well... The thing is, wouldn't you? Yeah, no. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Rich people spend far more, like, as a proportion of their income on alcohol and drugs than homeless people or even just... People in the bottom 20%, I think. Obviously, it would be better to get a good warm meal. But at the end of the day, if you've got a choice between being less hungry, but being aware of every second of the freezing cold night that you're going through, and loneliness and just pure self-loathing, or numbing that. But, um, I mean, it, it, if... My pitiful donation helps them just make it a few more days than they would without that, or even just a day more than yeah. I, I suppose I'm the happy thing, with what I've done there. I suppose the thing would be, I mean, really, what, what somebody like me should do, and, um, you know, this would probably be a better thing to do, would be rather than thinking, I'm going to pass... 10 homeless people on this stretch of road um, so I can't afford to give to all of them rather than thinking that is if you think I can spare a couple of quid give them 40p each you know or 20p each you know it's like I think also a lot of the time genuinely you don't have to give everything you can afford to everyone you um, see like when I've been walking around Aberdeen quite a lot of people like just appreciate the fact that someone did stop and that do you know what some sort of level of social interaction there yeah do you know what a lot of people in Aberdeen... I, I i see this more in aberdeen actually than i've seen i mean probably because i spent more time in aberdeen but people do there are people that do tend to take the time to just stop and have a chat with them yeah you know, which is um and if you don't have money to give, then you can do that. I mean, I guess it kind of feels weird, especially as British people just talking to strangers. But, like, you're probably going to have a far more honest and meaningful conversation with them than you would with a lot of your friends. Well, they've got nothing to lose, have they? And, you you know, if you listen, it's kind of... I, I remember one night I'd been out... Um, it was a, an end-of-year social meal thing with a musical group that I was involved with and uh, I'd split off from the rest of the group at the end of the night sort of thing and gone off wandering and got pissed and I'd spent far more that evening than I than I would be comfortable <laughs> admitting um, but on the way back to my hotel afterwards I in fact this is on one of my Better Call Paul podcasts I interviewed a homeless person um, I, I spoke to them. I, I asked them if they would mind, um, and they were fine with it. And I had a good chat with them, and it was really quite moving. Quite, um, you know, it's we just little acts of kindness like that will make a difference to somebody. And while in a sea of utter despair, that can seem quite small to that person, like. You've only made their day, so yeah. it just well we've we all we all have difficult days and difficult struggles to get through and stuff like that. And so you know if it's if you're feeling particularly able on a certain day, then do it. Um, 
but I, I don't I don't mean to can't what I'm suppose I'm meaning is that you don't have to be you don't have to be homeless and on the street to be struggling as well. No, a lot of the people that I'm I've given like to fundraisers for it's like um, they're not necessarily homeless yet, but they know that they might be kicked out because they have like abusive parents, and they need a fund ahead of time so that they don't die. Mm. Yeah, or because they're behind on payments and are struggling to look after their kids. This is a bit of a depressing episode so far. But there is hope in... I mean, it's a weird feeling because sure, you might get some thanks from them, but like you, especially when you're like doing it over the internet, you don't really know these people. And if you're just giving to them because... I mean, I just do it because like I'm scared about... I don't have that much money, but I'm scared of the amount I do have. And... To be fair, that a lot of that is because you're living at home, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, we do charge you board, but we charge a, a, a minimal amount so that you can build up a bit of a nest egg, don't you? So. But it, it's better than y- using that as disposable income on some vacuous crap yeah. that I'm going to just use once and forget about. Which I've done plenty of. <laughs> Although I do less now. But um, that's a mental health issue in itself. Mm, I feel like that's a society-wide mental health issue. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And it's a, it's kind of um, indicative of the kind of uh, state of mind that capitalism engenders, isn't it? Because there there is this kind of moving money around and consumerism kind of mentality that that the economy and therefore the society is only healthy when people are spending. Mm. Um, no, um, I mean, on a lot of this, I mean, I have a, I suppose, a bit of an extreme view on this, but like I am staunchly anti-capitalist and an anarchist. So, like, earlier discussions of, like, talking about legal Mm. guilt, it's sort of like, I don't think that should really be a thing, at least in the way that we know it. Um, No, but what would you suggest? Because I I find it... there There are actions that need to be addressed by society as a whole i suppose or i i find it disturbing though that our only way of well a few ways of um making people or deterring people from doing things that we don't want to do are either um limiting their freedom for months or years at a time um making them do free labor or making them pay a fine. Mm. Um, I mean, the last one's arguably the least um, insidious, but in a system where a lot of the people being given those fines are not going to be able to afford them, that's it's quite deliberately making it legal for rich people to do things. So, I mean, uh, and this is a view that I would certainly um, agree with. Are you, are you, uh, are you of the same mind as me that 
the the main focus and in fact the the only focus should be on rehabilitation the only positive purpose prisons could serve if they can really serve any purpose is to rehabilitate and at that point it's sort of like well why are we thinking of this like a prison like yeah and it's actually a gift rather than a you're giving somebody help should be like (laughs) educational institutions hospitals uh not in where people's freedoms are restricted rather than seeing somebody seeing a criminal as somebody who takes something from society it should be that a criminal is somebody who is unwell maybe like is like has been driven to a particular state by their situation i mean that's only if you actually agree that these people are rightfully convicted and that their crimes actually are deserving of any punishment, really, because most crimes aren't even violent. But that, I suppose that's a difficult situation then, though, isn't it? Because you've got to kind of have a, some kind of moral framework within which to determine whether or not somebody needs rehabilitation because their behaviour may well be acceptable in one society but not in another. It should be primarily um, within an imperfect system um, done through social work and uh, things like if you addicted, um, the sort of safe spaces to sort of wean yourself off things. Mm. That all depends on the people who are running the system being safe and healthy themselves, though. It's like a social worker can do more damage than good. Mm. That that is true as well, yeah. We're all. I'm not saying that they that they do in general, but um, being cared for isn't. I I I've definitely uh, been in situations where I've thought that I needed to go to someone for help and found that they were either not really much help or. Um, were actually a hindrance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- at that point, it's sort of like, well, what the fuck do I do with myself then? Because I don't know who to go to. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's just life right now, and just generally, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I would say that you never. Uh... Um, the only one to be going through what you're going through, though. Um, there's a, there's always going to be someone, even if you don't know how to find them, or you know, you, you, I mean that cliche of you're not you're not alone. I suppose everyone's alone, but it's kind of finding each other. I suppose is a trick, isn't it? Finding people that understand. Um, mm. And sometimes they don't. You don't even need them to understand. You just need them to listen. Yeah. I mean, getting back to the subject slightly. Um, I guess in a kind of very um, fucked up religious way is kind of the idea of a confession. <laughs> what is having someone to listen? Be it God or some member of the clergy as yeah. acting in the, as an envoy to God. I don't know what the legal situation is with confession in terms of um, if you confess to a crime. 
whether or not a I I was under the impression that they or whether it's different in different countries obviously but in most situations like that's something that's considered quite sacred that they can't really well I'd have thought that but then I do know for a fact that there are certain things that if you tell a medical professional such as a psychologist or psychotherapist um, that they have a legal obligation to um, forward that to the authorities if if someone is in danger. Um, uh, that's the Catholic Church. Yeah, well, I I kind of meant. Uh, I think it is most common in the Catholic Church the idea of but confession. Is that a legal uh, uh, thing? In because I mean, the Catholic Church is obviously a global kind of organization, but does whether or not a Roman Catholic priest can keep something confidential if it's uh, if somebody is in danger or if some say for instance if somebody murdered someone. Is does it depend on the country that they're in, or is it something that is? I mean, you, you say sacred. What does that mean under law? Um, yeah, it, it, they broke the seal. From what I understand, in the Catholic Church, they'd be excommunicated um, unless they had specific permission. Mm. Uh, from this, I don't know how this actually works. Um. Yeah, it requires people to testify, uh, but confessional privilege uh, forbids judicial inquiry in yeah. a lot of jurisdictions, I would guess. Um, but it'll vary because it's quite a controversial thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... But they do have that as well in quite a lot of places where um, you don't have to uh, testify if you're married to someone. Yeah. What do you think about that, about the situation of um, somebody who's a mental health professional being told something in confidence in, in a therapy session, um, having to pass that on to the authorities I mean, I under, don't certain, really, under certain circumstances? It, it It's not really that I would per se have an issue with passing it on to someone to just like be aware of that in case something did happen it's just I don't trust them to be able to do with what like responsibly yeah I was going to say for me the, the the issue with that for me would be who decides what is a threat because yeah I, I've definitely seen quite a lot of um, t- testimonies as well as videos of law enforcement having absolutely no clue how to deal with mental health crises and yeah, yeah. I'm assuming some of the information that they've been given on um like that they are some like dangerous threat is things like that mm. where they're under the impression because they've been told these things about this person or maybe they're just assholes they probably are but <laughs> what about um <laughs> I don't know whether you would call it false guilt. Um, what about a, a, a say a child whose parents have split up, who blames themselves for it? They suffer guilt, don't they? Um, yeah, in, in a lot of cases, I guess. 
Is there any mileage in that? I mean, I know under most circumstances, you would, people would say it's not your fault. Um, but guilt can, in a lot of circumstances, can be a shared thing, can't it? That there are many different components to a situation that results in a particular outcome. Um, while in that situation, let's say there's a particularly challenging child who's they're not legally responsible obviously because they're not old enough to know any better but their behavior does have an effect on the parents if you are having a child you should be able to make a commitment i mean there are exceptions to this where you're fucked over by external forces Mm -hmm. and you are doing everything within your power to make this happen but um if you are having a child, you should consider to be able to provide a loving and caring environment where they can grow up. What about if the actions that cause um, the problem happen after they've become an adult? Uh, after their kids become an adult? Yeah. Say a, say a couple split up because they disagree on... on something that their kids done who's over 18 not i mean it's a very oversimplified kind of case but you know what i mean there, there can be stresses that happen say i mean i'm sure there have been plenty actually of um, cases of drug addiction in sort of older teenagers and young adults that put such a strain on a marriage that that marriage ends up splitting up where there, there's so much blame or guilt kind of to be shared around in that situation how how do you how do any of the people involved in that situation deal with it you know i'm not, i'm not expecting you to have an answer don't worry it's just i'm just <laughs> interested in thinking about but, um, you know, yeah, there no, are so many different things at play there i mean marriage generally um i like having different perspectives on things but like from my view of things it's sort of it feels like a very different thing to me than it is to most of the people I know that are married. Um, Including me. To some extent. Um, probably based on like more how you were conditioned, uh, I suppose. But also, y- you sort of get a different perspective on like that very set idea of what you're supposed to do when well, I think you beyond, already start like breaking the rules of that. I think the thing is beyond the legal definitions of marriage. I think it's what the two of you in a marriage um, decide it is. Yeah, that that it's a relationship. I mean, at the end of the day, and this is something that me and Mum agree on completely: is marriage is basically it's it's a legal piece of paper. That's all it is. Yeah. The rest of it is what you make of it, what you decide is best for you as as a couple, and that's different for everyone. You know, there's no. Mm. I mean, I can get why some people want to have like uh, weddings and yeah, it, it want to declare that it's... very definitively, but it, it does put a bit of pressure on if you later decide that that's not how that's going to work for you to be honest it's become less so but but until um certainly in uh, when we, me and mum got married it's 
legally it's more con- it has been more convenient and easier to deal with various different things that require some kind of legal kind of yeah (laughs) there are ways to like have legally recognized relationships but it's a lot easier just to get married from what i understand yeah um do you know what i don't like about it though and this is quite often the i don't know about don't like but i think it's very revealing um and this is often the case with um terminology is thinking about where the word comes from if you think about the word uh, about the verb to mar what does what does it mean to mar something i don't really know. look look at what what the verb to mar means m-a-r and married it you know that comes from something to do with chaining up I mean, you've got bloody fucking marvel extended universe on it <laughs> yeah Impair the quality of appearance or, or appearance of despoil. Violence marred a number of New Year celebrations. That's an interesting um, example of that. <laughs> I don't know if that's where it comes from at all, but do you know what I mean? Because they often talk wow. about like marrying different, joining things together as kind of, you know, marrying different um, drinks and food, don't they? Um a combinational mixture of elements, marriage. They might have like a similar root. I don't know. Yeah. But um, how did we get into this from guilt? Uh, do you think it derives from probably a different root by the looks of it? Um, and I'm not speaking in any way, shape, or form from any kind of. Um, please don't read anything into what I'm saying. But do you think that there is any? Um, guilt to be had in a relationship where a couple have been married for years and um, it's not necessarily an open relationship but there's no kind of difficulty between them as a couple as a relationship Um, but one of them has physical needs that the other one isn't meeting and finds them elsewhere Uh, as long as you've communicated that that's okay then that's fine, but it's sort of where you uh, breach someone's trust in uh, not communicating your wishes effectively, yeah. and really the key is to just talk to one another, which I, I find this weird thing. It's it's not um, old straight people, but the straights TM um, there's particularly older I'm thinking marriages. I'm, I'm um, thinking in terms of what might have been quite an old-fashioned way of dealing with, thing, with things now. But there is this kind of concept of it used to be quite normal for a, a husband to have a mistress, but the wife would generally not know about it and not want to hear about it but not be necessarily opposed to it happening. I mean, that's probably less to do with even having like a means to like voice their opinion there, but... Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say this weird thing of um, particularly older straight couples um, who seem to genuinely hate one another. I, I don't get that. Um, but... <laughs> Mm. And it, it it's sometimes sort of played off as a joke, but yeah. at times like it's fairly obvious that like oh, they probably don't actually like each other here. 
it's difficult, isn't it? Because sort of banter and just generally falling out is. <laughs> but it seems like it's expected that they wouldn't like each other. I don't get that because I mean, me and Mum aren't like that. Are we? No, not. <laughs> other than on like a few things that I think are just like normal human disagreements. Yeah. Um. It, it's not like uh, you've been jaded by years of being together. It's gonna be. It's gonna, oh fucking hell! It's our twentieth wedding anniversary this year. Oh, you're an old bastard. <laughs> Hang on. It's our twentieth wedding anniversary this year. I'm going to be fifty this year. Granddad's going to be seventy. I'm going to be eighteen. And we can do fuck all about it because none of us are allowed to do anything at the moment. <laughs> well, by December, you might be able to. What's in December? Your anniversary. Yeah, I suppose that's the latest. <laughs> that's the latest of the things that are happening. You know, you're going to be 18, Grandad's going to be 70, and I'm going to be 50 before that. Oh, don't act like I would have gone out on my birthday anyway. <laughs> You've got friends now. Who knows what would have been happening if COVID hadn't happened? You might have moved now. into Aberdeen by now. You might have yeah. had enough of travelling back and forth. You might have been... I'm telling you, this is how it happens is that if you're living at home within reach of uni, you build up friendships, you'll end up just staying overnight sometime because it's easier than getting the train home. Find, actually, that was really easy, and end up just... It just grows. Well, it, it's <laughs> the difficulty of finding friends good enough that they could put up with my shit in the way that you do. Like, <laughs> a, a friend in the way that you <laughs> that's are. That's a compliment in the... Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, like... Uh, I mean, it, it's it is a kind of sort of. You mean you need somebody super tolerant? <laughs> I, I mean, I I am genuinely disabled, and I need don't, people to help me. Yeah, but don't forget that there is a two way street there. That I mean, I yeah, I, I I won't say that we don't put up with. To be honest, we don't put up with a huge amount that we wouldn't expect from a teenager anyway. But yeah, I know you've got your disabilities, but it's just become part of life, you know, for us. It's not like... But there are many things that need tolerating from everyday normal human beings, if that's such a thing, that are that are wor- just as bad and worse. <laughs> yeah, like all the weird, insecure things that I have that like, I don't normally show to... Like those kinds of people that I would consider my friends, but like not that close yeah. to. You grow to learn to hide the real you. No, genuinely, survive. I. I mean, you say that sort of half jokingly. No, but, I don't. I'm quite honest. No. That's how I've survived. Yeah, like. <laughs> I th- I think everyone does it to some extent, but there is definitely a, um, perspective of like having mental health issues, which. A lot of my friends now do have. Um, I won't, like, <laughs> but it's nice talking about it openly. That like, yeah. nowadays, it's. I think it's becoming more and more normal. I think you're actually abnormal if you don't think you've got mental health issues nowadays. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> at that point, you're not um, healthily dealing with that. It's okay. almost like there's this, yeah, there's this campaign to say it's okay to not be okay has been going on. Mental health's been a big thing in Scotland. I'm not so sure how they treat it in England because the NHS have kind of driven that up here which is separate from England and Wales but but that whole general mental health kind of focus nowadays I do feel like it, it's edging more towards um, it's not okay to be okay 
Or, well, I don't know. No, that's a bit harsh. It's it's more than normal. I don't know. It's normal to not be okay at the moment. I think is the is is probably the COVID thing actually. And if you're dealing with everything that's been happening in the last year, like if if you're not, and you're fine, with your mental health right now. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you, <laughs> yeah. you absolute fucking psychopath? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we should be winding up fairly soon. Mm. Nearly run out of beer. I don't know. I mean, we we haven't we've talked about guilt kind of laced in with the subject, haven't we? But I feel not what we normally do. I feel like is this the bit where we start to give ourselves appraisal of what the episode's been like? Um, it seems by you saying that then that <laughs> part has begun. No, 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 actually, this is this is just before we get to that bit where I ask whether or not we're approaching that bit. And then I bring up one more point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go on, then. Um, <laughs> hmm. Supposed to have one pre-prepared. Oh, yeah, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to... Um, Please don't. I think I did briefly have a conversation with you about this. Um, oh, no, you're going to... Am I going to be in, put in an awkward position on air now? I don't think so. I, Go on then. I watched um, It's a Sin. Um, if you What's haven't that? heard of it, it's a five-part TV show um, set throughout the 80s. Hang on, hang on just a second. Has that got in it... I'm thinking there was an actress in something that you watched recently... Um, that I'd seen in something else that I thought, oh yeah, she's... I didn't realise she was in it until afterwards. Uh, what was her name? I can't remember. Who's in it? What actress? I don't think most of the actors in that are very high profile, aside from no. the main character, who I've forgotten the actor's name. Oh no, was that the one that the girl out of um, the Spider-Man films is in? Oh no, that's Euphoria. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, carry on. That was another program you watched, which is also very good from what I've seen of it. But carry on. Um, yeah, no, it's a sin, and the reason I wanted to talk about this, and I think it's relevant, uh, particularly to um, today's uh, situation. Um, I'll try not to spoil too much. It, it's sort of it's set during the eighties with uh, gay people uh, around about the AIDS epidemic. Um, I think it's like five different friends. Um, oh, I told you about my experience with an AIDS victim uh, in the eighties. I don't think so. Um, I know it would have been the nineties actually. It would have been early nineties. Yeah, I think by the time there was a lot more information about it, it was getting on towards the nineties. It was just I was on my way to. Oh, what was it? No, I don't know. I was wearing a Freddie Mercury tribute T-shirt, tribute concert T-shirt, and I was just walking around in London um, on my way to a rock vocals lesson. <laughs> Um, the one that I had, um, and so, uh, somebody coming the other way, a complete stranger, uh, which is, if you live in London, this is something that would stick out to you. Completely notable was for a complete stranger to actually speak to you. Um, they somebody coming the opposite direction 
pointed out my t-shirt and said great t-shirt mate um as they were walking past and it wasn't until afterwards that i that i just a few seconds later i realized that they had um kind of black marks all over their arm um which is one of which was one of the signs of being not I think that's full-blown AIDS. It's not just HIV positive. That's the kind of... Well, yeah, it makes you more susceptible to getting, like, cancers and stuff because it's an immune thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, potentially. And it was just, like, at that time, though, it was before there was any effective kind of long-term treatment or cure. So it was that realisation at that moment that 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 guy was terminally ill, you know, there was no kind of there was no escape for them at that point. It was like knowing that that person that just I find it very strange and profound. Um, seeing how different people deal with that, but that used to be the case with cancer. That if somebody said they had cancer, that was like you're you know you've got a death sentence. Yeah, with the sort of cancers that they would tell you about, I guess. Um. But I, I mean, there are quite a lot of benign cancers that like don't necessarily even need treatment. Um, mm. But they, it's the sort of thing. It's like, oh, if it doesn't cause any issues, then could you I'm not sure if you it? would know about them until they became the really aggressive ones, though. Because I mean, like with yeah. my lymphoma situation, you know, that, that one of the real difficulties with that is is diagnosis, um, and. You know, fortunately, I live at a time where was it the um, like the lump on your forehead that got no, the diagnosis? No, no, no. It was long before that. It was um, I, I actually it was in the mid noughties that I mean, to be honest, I've had skin problems my whole life. I used to have eczema as a mm. kid, but when I was at college, I used to have such sore kind of eczema on my back that I would scratch it to the point where I would then be bleeding and there'd be blood under my nails and stuff. Uh, but I don't think at that point, I don't know, but I don't think at that point that it was mycosis fungoides, which is what I was eventually diagnosed with. But it, but I went to the doctors in the mid-noughties because I just could not stop scratching and it was stopping me sleeping at night. I'd just itchy and sore, dry skin all the time. And um, they referred me to dermatology who did... Um, first did blood tests and then a skin biopsy and and it was eventually diagnosed it's really quite difficult to diagnose because it's often misdiagnosed as eczema or psoriasis because that's the kind of early stage that's the sort of first and second stage symptoms so in the past they may have treated it that way and ended up missing it until it progressed to the point where it became a more widespread cancer that that isn't treatable Mm. Um. Sorry, I kind of interrupted there. The point related to <laughs> guilt was um. I'm, I feel guilty about that. Again, I'm trying not to spoil too much. Um, but around eight, there's there's this sort of thing of like, oh, uh, if you suspect that you have AIDS, um, or you know, what's your responsibility to get tested? What's your responsibility to like have? safety precautions there like with condoms and stuff and um, you know, if, if you know that you have AIDS or like very strongly suspect are, are you killing people by having sex with them at that point? Should you feel guilty about that? I don't know if it's still the case 
But certainly in the 90s, I remember, I don't know whether or not I couldn't get life insurance or it would have cost me a lot more. I had a friend who worked as a, uh, an insurance advisor and they, they, recommend, they advised me. Basically, I... I mean, I've been quite naive in my life. I've never, I've not really been, compared to a lot of other people, I've never really slept around or been kind of a high-risk category in terms of drug usage. I've never injected drugs or anything like that. I haven't had that many partners compared to a lot of people. But I was getting quite serious about a girl um, and we were talking about getting engaged and stuff. um, And I, just to kind of, reassure her because she knew that I had been with other partners before I said well I'll get an AIDS test just so that you know you know that I'm fine sort of thing Um, and I did that but then when it came to getting insurance advice in the 90s it was the case that if you had if you one of the questions on the application form was have you ever had an AIDS test and if you answered yes to that I can't remember if it was that your premiums were a lot higher or you just couldn't get life insurance just because you'd had a test. Mm. Because it implied that you were in a category that needed to get a test. Yeah, I think that's one of the sort of more sort of background parts of how capitalism like um, instills discrimination, essentially. But even at that point, he was saying to me that, that it's a stupid situation in the UK, or it was then, that at the same time in Australia, it was actually a requirement of the life insurance companies that you did get an AIDS test to get cover, <laughs> which is like, I don't know if that's worse or better or just as bad in a completely opposite way, but... <laughs> I think it's good to be safe. Yeah. But I didn't... It's a different company world now, though, isn't it? I mean, then it, it was a death sentence then, you know. Um, you, did, you didn't know how long it was going to take, but you knew it was going to kill you. Yeah, I I strongly dislike insurance companies. I feel bad for the people that call up on their behalf because I know they're just doing a shitty job because that's all they can really get. Having said that, you got your gaming computer out of an insurance company. Yeah, but they're still shit. I mean, you put some money towards it yourself, but... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's not the the argument, though. But but it's, it's the capitalist way, isn't it? They're a company that are there to make money. And, yeah, and to provide profits to the shareholders. That's that's what our society is built Life on. insurance is literally profiting off of the fear of li- like losing your livelihood it's a because bet. someone's died. It's a bet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gamble. This is Terry Pratchett in action. Insurance from, from the colour of magic. It's a principle that you bet, you place a bet with someone that something's going to break or that you're going to die or that something bad's going to happen to you. And so you get this situation, especially if like uh, if your company's getting life insurance for you, where it's like they'd actually quite make quite a lot of money off of your death. Yeah. Like if you're a um a, a, an award-winning pianist, um your fingers are probably more valuable than your life. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an award-winning pianist, but I do have insurance through my union that if I sustained an injury that um, prevented me from playing the piano or the trumpet for the rest of my life, um, or doing music in any way, then I would get 
I would get paid, I would get a fair amount of money because it lost earnings. Hmm. And that's just part of my union membership. Um, but obviously it's a basic rate. You know, if you've got, if you want more, you've got to pay extra to the insurance company. Essentially, they're a bit like banks, aren't they? It's the whole money system's just fucked. It's like, I mean, I know, I know some kind of trading principle is kind of a function of a society that needs to happen but it's become such a grotesque deformed version of anything that might be considered okay and it's just the acceptable format that society has now yeah especially if there's a monopoly particularly on something that people need Mm. then you can set the price at whatever you want and people don't really have a choice but to pay you. Well, I mean, that happens with OPEC, doesn't it? I mean, cartels in general are generally considered to be illegal, but the biggest one on the planet, OPEC, has been in control of the whole world economy for decades and it's accepted as normal because they're the most powerful kind of... Not... I think I've heard the name, but I'm not really aware of what that is. Well, OPEC, it's basically an organisation that, I don't know if it still exists, it's maybe worth looking up, but it used to be, certainly, uh, an organisation of uh, countries which fixes the price of oil. oil. Oh, yeah, it's... Oh. Um, and they, basically, they control the flow of oil into the market. I thought you meant to manipulate like something that's generally called a cartel, not like what's the actual sort of... Um... No, no, no. no. Uh, OPEC is essentially a cartel of governments. Oh, um, that can, they They control the flow of oil into the global economy to manipulate the price because basically that is the foundation of... Just looking at all of these, it's like, oh, uh, these are all the places with like war and instability right now. Wonder why that might be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. It is officially a cartel. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's is an accepted international cartel. That's weird. <laughs> but they talk about it in terms of um, drug cartels. You know, when when it's evil, when it's not like an accepted. Um, probably far kinda. more um, pleasant to the people they fuck over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's only the entire human race's um, survival that we're talking about with this cartel. So, you know, Jesus, <laughs> you just you you just discovered OPEC, haven't you? Oh no, oh, no. you just, you're just reading through the history of OPEC in um, in Wikipedia. Good luck. Uh... <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I've just brightened your day. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Talking about uh climate change earlier. Um I I think it's important and I find it really quite annoying the way that a lot of um even things that you would normally consider to be quite reasonable talk about climate change as if it's the fault of everyday people. Mm. And sure, while population growth is a factor in that because more people means more resources being used, the way in which we use resources is definitely not equal across the planet. 
and um, no. we d- we don't share equal responsibility for that. I mean, even in fairly wealthy countries like that, like this. Is, um, if you look at somebody like me, it's like I was born into England in the nineteen seventies. What was I supposed to do except learn to drive? And, and you know, take part in the general kind of fossil fuel-based economy that I was born into. I haven't got any influence, really, in political terms. I haven't got a an ability to change the system. Yeah. Even though I've been here nearly half a decade, I haven't had the power to do that. Whereas there are people who have. Yeah, so we get back to that thing of like, oh, the biggest individual thing you can do is become vegan. But the much better thing to do would be to slowly phase out, or I mean, honestly, quite quickly phase out agricultural industries that are polluting the planet. Can I uh, and enforce strict can practices? I potentially finish on a slightly optimistic note. Are you ready to oh, head oh, towards that? Oh. Uh, I, d- I don't know about that, but we'll see. This week was introduced that the UK have brought forward their target by 10 years of banning the sales of all fossil fueled cars. So as of 2030, it is now going to be illegal to sell petrol and diesel fueled cars in the UK. Uh, it was at 2040 before. I guess it's an improvement. It is an improvement. I mean, I know it's. <laughs> you, you, it's. it's it, I mean, it's too little, too late. But... Yeah, yeah, but but it, it's it's something that has improved in the past week. I thought you were going to say like phasing out all fossil fuels by twenty thirty would would be genuinely quite good if they were actually going to stick to. No, that. they're just not allowed to sell uh, to sell new fossil fueled cars. Right. <laughs> so if you have like a, well, they'll I still mean, be it, around for a long yeah. time after that. I mean, I'd already decided um, that the next time we buy a car, my choice based on current circumstances would be if we could afford it, which seems to be the case because on the back of this news item about uh, fossil fuel cars, it was also mentioning that the electric cars are being rolled out by all the main manufacturers at all price levels. So it's not just the the expensive Teslas and stuff. It's important also within that, like electric cars are in theory good, but if you're actually getting electricity from fossil fuels, then they're actually well, worse. This is the thing. I yeah, I mean, public powerpoints I couldn't control, but we get ours from Octopus, which is um, the magic space energy octopus. Yeah. No, our infinite is renewable energy from the space octopus. Renewable thingy bobs. But I think the only the best choice for us on the next car would be to get a plug-in hybrid, because. Um, Hybrid in itself is good, yes, it's an improvement, but at the same time you're still using fossil fuels. But if you get a plug-in hybrid, you've always got the the fallback, if you like, um, of some fuel in the tank if you go out of range. Because that's the thing at the moment is charging is not nearly rolled out enough. Um, I mean, most of the time... You know the distances that I drive it wouldn't be a problem around here, but if we were, for instance, driving down to Nans, it could be a major issue. Um, I mean, we'd certainly have to stop for longer periods 
on the way. We stopped quite often anyway, but we would we'd probably have to stop twice for at least an hour at a time, um, which is not a problem. I would do that. But you can't guarantee that if where you stop, there's going to be a free charging point to use. Yeah. At the moment. I mean, eventually, hopefully, they'll all be like that. Well, I suppose they would have to be, wouldn't they? Um, and it, you would hope so. Um, but I do know that... Uh, actually, uh, there's two things about this that surprise me. It was in the news that I think... I think it's round about now-ish, but it's certainly round very, very close to this time of this year that Aberdeen City Council had announced that from a certain date, I think it was sometime in February, I'm not sure, um, that all their public char- electric car charging points were going to start um, charging money to to charge your car, basically. Like you'd have to pay to get to charge your car up there. But there's two things about that. It's, it's a bad thing that you're having to pay to charge your car. But I was actually quite surprised that they weren't already doing that, that it was free before. I I had assumed that these electric car charging points I mean, were available. Like, I'd, it, I'd thought. If I'd it was free before, that, what's the justification for changing that now? I don't know. I mean, they're probably not able to impose car park charges nearly as much as they have been because nobody's going into town at the moment. <laughs> I mean, they must get a lot of money from car park charges. Anyway, we should be finishing. We're, we're two hours, ten minutes nearly. Mm. I haven't made you feel nearly as guilty as I could have done. Uh, but then oh, I yeah. don't feel nearly as guilty as Honestly, I Honestly, um, yeah, because you asked me what what's the thing that you feel most guilty about that you're willing to admit publicly? I'm willing to admit publicly. Um, that's a difficult one because I my biggest problem is my naivety that I will often say things that are not necessarily to my benefit to admit that I actually think are more that it's more beneficial that people hear. I mean, it might be, but uh, also, yeah, keep in mind that there's a, a, a possibility that you would be going into a teaching position sometime <laughs> oh, yeah, in the near future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd have to have a think about that. Guilt. Mm. Well, I mean, see, the thing is, with a lot of things that I've done, I've been found out about, so I feel like that guilt's been spent, so I don't feel so guilty about it. Because I've kind of paid the price for a lot of things. Actually, no, I do. I there's one thing when I think like about that it, even lessons. though I've paid the price. There is yeah. one thing that I've done that I that I believe it was my biggest mistake in my whole life. I, I I have something in mind, but it might be something else. My car incident. Yeah, I was thinking I could have died, and I could have not been here. Um, yeah, drinking and driving. And then falling asleep at the wheel. Getting banned for a year wasn't... Um, and having a 400 quid fine. Uh, I don't regret any of the actions that I took in that I called the police. And, you know, even though people I've spoken to afterwards have said, oh, you should have just kind of, you know, gone home and had a drink or whatever. And I de- there are various ways that people have said you could have got away with it. But at the end of the day, I spent a year thinking about that. And it's like, you know, I could have not come home that day. 
Um, somebody could have died who had no blame or anything to do with me. Fortunately, it was the middle of the night and it didn't. I didn't die. Nobody else got hurt. So, um, but yeah, that's my biggest regret. Whether or not I feel guilty about it is a bit of a different issue, though, because, and it's not just because I haven't, because I've kind of paid a price for it. Because I don't, I, I don't think anything pays for that. I think it's just. Do you think it's constructive to feel guilt? No, I think. People make mistakes and you should just learn from your mistakes. I think feeling guilt, I don't I don't think that anyone's immune from it and I certainly feel a lot of guilt at times. But I think it prevents you from moving on um, if it lingers. If you can recognise guilt and identify where it's coming from and learn from that then I suppose it can have a positive effect but I think it can be the most destructive force of all really um yeah I suppose like with my answer, if it's not addressed like, the thing that I felt most guilty of uh, I mean I've, I've had a lot of things that I felt very guilty at the time but like I've since become you know, I've learned from them and that I feel myself constantly improving. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear you the improving um, bit. To some extent. I mean, I, I sort of see it as a measure of, like, I usually see myself two years ago as quite unsufferable, but in a way that's sort of, like, quite... Oh, worse now. What? <laughs> Sorry, get it. But on. like, I, when I'm 19, I'll look at how I am now. I, I mean, I I sometimes look at how I am now and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" Well, with any luck, you'll eventually reach an age where you think, "I could never have been any different. I was just doing my best all the time." Yeah, but like, <laughs> I I feel like I keep um I keep learning from the many mistakes I make. Just be you now. You're not you then, and you're not you as you will be. Just kind of. Anyway, look, let's finish up the fuck off. It's nearly two Aye. and a quarter hours and I've run out of beer and it's Aye. 25 to 12. And Are you trying to be Scottish all of a sudden? You keep saying I all the time. No, I just, I, I get more Scottish the more I drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I was already sort of carrying on um, a hangover it, from last it's, night. It's either Scottish or Yorkshire. I mean, it'd be you, it'd be Scottish, but with me, it's like, sort of, oh, I, I, I don't know. No, shut up. Just let's stop. Come on. Right. Aye. Aye. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Uh, are we doing the outro? Yeah, ready yourselves, people. It's going to be a rocky road. Oh, rocky road. Do you like rocky road? Mm, marshmallows, I'm not a massive fan of. Um, okay, let's finish the podcast. very sweet, like sickly sweet. Sorry, I shouldn't have. C- c- carry on. Do, do, do the outro. But the chocolate saves it. Anyway. Mm, mm, yes. Mm, mm, mm. I've been Fireball. I've been the Orbiter. Ah, oh, fucking hell. been Spike. Breaking Bollocks, story. episode 78. Yeah. Guilt. As charged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what you did. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
but does anyone else? That's the issue. <laughs> I mean, like, as long as nobody else knows, then should you feel guilty? I mean, we're going to start off again, aren't we? Is that isn't that the isn't that the be all and end all? Is like, did I get away with it? Is that not? I don't the... want to get away with things that I'm genuinely upset that I did. I I mean I don't want to like report myself to the authorities or whatever, but I I, I do want to write my wrongs with the people that I have yeah. wronged. Yeah, have have regrets and address them. Anyway, I'm gonna need a piss very soon, so this after birth can't last too long. <sighs> so we'll be back in two weeks with um, part two of Indonesia, won't we? Mm. Which It'll be a, a spicy discussion about colonialism. <laughs> yes, yes. We've had some feedback. quite literally. We've had some feedback. I don't know whether we're going to take any notice of it, but I feel feel like I should be slightly less immature simply because there is some serious subject matter. But I'm still going to drink and take the piss out of you. Okay. Very well done, by the way, with your your research. It was quite astonishing. I, I, I learned I a mean, lot. I mean, I literally just like took notes off of Britannica, but well. I, than, I did more, present it in more than I did, like my own way. But. Anyway, let's finish. Um, how how do we finish in a guilt-free fashion? Uh, what? <laughs> this podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network. 